NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. NFR Extra, episode 81. There's a lot of firsts on this episode with steer wrestler Jacob Edler and tie-down roper Shane Hanchy. We talk about their 2020 NFR Texas experience, their fears, and their loves, plus a lot more. I don't know how much you guys watch football, but me being, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, but what's been awesome is our quarterback, Tony Romo, then retired and went into the booth. To put him in the booth, and when he's calling the games, if you're just a regular viewer, you're like, and he'll say, well, this is what's going to happen. If you see why he's lining up there, this is what's going to... And it makes you interested because of his passion, right? How many years of film had he studied to oh. see, you know what I mean, to be able to advance or whatever on yes. those guys, so... Correlated, right? You've got Joe Beaver, you know, on the tie-down. Yes. You've got Luke Branquino on that. So you do kind of have those guys there. on the player side. Donnie Gay, man, makes you want to watch bull riding. Like, dude... And nobody's awesome. nobody's won more than him. There's a reason why we're asking a question of what's your fear, because I think there's so many things that from a cowboy perspective, living on a ranch, living all the things, living the lifestyle that you do in this Western lifestyle. Death is around every single second corner possible. When you get on a horse, I mean, you can go ride horses all weekend, Brylan. There yeah. could be something bad that goes down for the normal Joe that goes to the soccer field. There's no consequences with a lot of the things that you're in the Western lifestyle that you face all the time. Oh, I mean, in the reality of it, like getting on a horse every time you get on, it's a life or death situation. Like, I hate to say it in that perspective, but in the reality of it, you're getting on a four-legged animal, doesn't speak your language. They speak a different language and you definitely have a connection with them. But in the reality of it, I mean, when we gather, you never know if a fox, a coyote, a bunny, something goes running across the field, your horse jumps sideways. When you're on the back of a horse, it's a given that it's going to be dangerous. And I bet you Shane Hanchy's not afraid of snakes, by the way, being down in Louisiana. I think it's going to be something more philosophically or something more yep. of in that kind of mindset. Just kind It'll of, be a mental thing. Yes, 100%. Like, that's one place I guarantee you I would never want to ranch. Oh, no, dude. That Could you imagine, know. like, going across guys the swamps and all of a sudden you got a snake dogs. in your... Well, guys lose dogs to gators down there all the time. Yeah. I mean, 100%. like, cowboy. Like, they're going, like, come by. Gone. That was awesome, Steve. Enjoy our conversation with Jacob Edler and Shane Hanchy. What up next? Bradlin's Bull. This is Bradlin's Bull, the rodeo news of the week. Episode 10, we talked to Kirsten Bold about her penny from heaven, Painted Valley, at 19 years old. He unfortunately passed away. He accomplished many trips to Las Vegas in two separate events, Saddlebronk and Bareback. Loretta Lynn is on track to mark her 50th anniversary of Coal Miner's Daughter with a documentary. PRCA specialty acts have branched out competing on the show called Go Big on TBS where they display their extreme talents. Darius Rucker, singer of Beers and Sunshine, recently lived up to his reputation, where he surprised patrons at an IHOP restaurant in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, with a free meal. In Las Vegas, December can only mean one thing. The Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. The NFR is the culmination for the top contestants in the world seeking to share the $10 million purse and the coveted gold buckle. For fans, Las Vegas transforms into the greatest Western party in the world with the NFR experience, which features Cowboy Christmas, the Junior World Finals, nonstop entertainment, custom viewing parties, and so much more. Follow all the action at nfrexperience.com. Great moments, great champions, great memories. There's only one NFR, there is only one Vegas. Hi, I'm world champion bull rider Sage Kimsey, and you're listening to NFR Extra. Extra. 
Growing up a farm boy in Iowa, steer wrestler Jacob Eller said he had never swung his leg over a horse until he was 14 years old. In 2020, he moved from ninth place to first to win his first world championship at his first NFR. That's a lot of firsts. And oh yeah, I forgot to mention his first average title too. And add one more cherry on top for first, Jacob announced to the world during a Cowboy Channel interview that he will become a dad. Edler shares his NFR dream that changes course, steer wrestling brotherhood, and much, much more. Jacob Edler, welcome to NFR Extra. Thanks for having me. We're, we're doing this run through here, starting off the year of bringing on champions from 2020. And y'all got interesting stories. There was plenty of interesting stories, period, leading up to the rodeo. Um, but then once we got there, it got even more interesting. You made a move during midway through the NFR that really changed your outcome. Ditto to Mabel. And there was a dream. How did all that come about? Well, you know, honestly, I, I rode ditto for the first five rounds and uh for being an nfr rookie actually had quite a bit of success riding ditto the first five rounds i believe i won 30 some odd thousand on her but the night after the fourth round i went to bed and i had a dream that i went and asked stetson jorgensen to ride maple and i thought that was pretty odd because i was pretty confident in the way everything was going, I knew that each night I was getting just a little further away from the steer. And uh, the fifth round, I knew that set of steers really well, went and helped pick them and had a steer that they placed on uh, the third go around. But when they came back the fifth go around, I was really excited to have him and got a great start. And I really had to jump out there a long ways at him. And, uh, I knew that that dream was the universe talking to me, telling me that, uh, you know, I needed to switch horses at that point. And right after the rodeo, I went and talked to Stetson and asked if I could ride. And he immediately said yes. And uh, I really believe that was, that was the biggest factor in me winning or not winning a gold buckle. What this whole club of steer wrestling is, because I think it's fascinating to understand how things happen. Y'all got each other's back. You and Stetson were kind of not too far from each other winning this whole thing or, or competing. And he just says, sure, here you go. Here's this horse. And I hope you win. Can you explain a little bit of how that works with steer wrestling? You know, us as steer wrestlers, we're wired a little differently. We're, we're here to help each other out. We're a very tight knit group of guys. And without Stetson, there's, there's no way I could have done what I was able to do, I'll never be able to repay him for that. Someday I plan on fully repaying the favor. But that's that's what's cool about our sport, man. You see it all year long. If guys are struggling on one horse or someone will step up and, and uh, let their fellow competitors get on their horse and give them an opportunity to beat them. It, there's no other sport in the world that where guys think like that. Not at all. Not even close. And not when you're talking about with that, that much money involved. Uh, that kind of spotlight and definitely the one uh, you're all were under there in Texas with this uniqueness that we had with the NFR there. It almost was cut short. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a COVID test or something like that that might have kind of stopped you dead in your tracks there. Well, showing up to the NFR, they required everybody to get a COVID test. They had They had a testing station right there. The PRCA told us ahead of time, if we showed up with a positive antibodies test, then we would not have to take the nasal swab and we were not subject to get tested the rest of the week. So show up, I check in, hand in my paperwork, uh, supposedly got a clean bill of health and we're ready to go. That we go to the back number ceremony in Fort Worth and I get a call from a higher up official that says I need to drive clear back to Arlington right now, which is like, it's 30 miles apart, but with traffic, you don't know if you're going to get there in 30 minutes or an hour and a half. So I, uh, like I'm pulling into the parking lot at Fort Worth and I have to turn around and go right back to Arlington and get a nasal swab because the CDC in Arlington claimed that uh, the antibodies test 
was not enough at that point. So I, I had to miss going on stage with all the Bulldoggers to get my back number. Me and Jewel Hazen, uh, another fellow steer wrestler, we had to go back there, get our nasal swab. Our test came back negative. We actually were pretty upset that we didn't get to go on stage and go get our back numbers. And all the bareback riders were standing there waiting to go on stage. And uh, we told them, hey, uh, we're, we're going to cut in front of you guys and we're going to get on that stage and we're going to go get all our stuff. Okay, you know, they, they didn't yeah. want to mess with two angry bulldoggers. The two guys that were uh, announcing it, it, it's actually a rodeo clown. His name's Justin Rumford, which me and Jewel know very, very well. Josh Hilton, he's actually from Iowa, too, and I know him. And when we got up there, they were they were shell-shocked. What in the hell are you guys doing up here? We're going to get our stuff. They're like, okay, we'll get off the stage. We're live. We'll, we'll come up and introduce you guys properly. So... We got through all that, and then throughout the week, there was 700 people that were getting randomly COVID tested, and every day you had a 12 and 700 chance of getting tested for COVID again. Right after I won the go-round, I got an email that said I'd randomly been selected for a COVID test. The morning before round seven, I had to go in there and sweat bullets a little bit and make sure I came back with a negative COVID test because if you tested positive, I mean, they, they booted you out of the NFR instantly. How was that as far as like the mindset wise? I mean, clearly you guys deal with other distractions. I mean, this is something that you had to deal with kind of all year long or was it just at the NFR? Yeah. Uh, shoot. That was the first COVID test that I'd actually ever taken is when I first showed up to the NFR besides getting blood drawn for the, antibodies and everything else but during the regular season you know there was some committees that uh, made sure that you weren't running a fever or they were requiring you to wear a mask rodeo was a little different this year but as far as them forcing us to stick a swab up our nose that that didn't happen throughout the course of the year I'm going to jump over to a little bit more positive thing now that we are in 2021 you are a world champion Yeah, no pun intended. You are a world champion and an average champion. Coming into the 10th round, you were sitting in sixth place. What was going through your mind as this all played out, knowing that there was a shot? At that point, I knew that I didn't have anything to lose. I knew I was the underdog coming in and some things had to go in my favor. And I decided that it was time to let everything hang out. It was the 10th round. I knew I had to place in the round catch up in the average and I backed in the box and weirdly did not have any nerves. It felt like that was the calmest I was all week. I knew I had a pretty good steer and I got up, tipped my hat to the crowd, had no idea how everything was going to play out, but it played out right into my hand and worked out perfect. Yeah, it did. If I literally would have been one tenth of a second faster or anything throughout the course of the week would have went any differently. I would not have been a world champion because uh, I only won the world by 2000 some odd dollars. Man, Jacob, that is close. Let's take a quick break. Following the break, diapers, college, and Iowa Cowboys. NFR Extra follows cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Brylan Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, channel 147 on Sirius XM, every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, with our re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. Hey y'all, it's Lainey Wilson, singer-songwriter in Nashville, and I'm here with NFR Extra. We are here with the 2020 Wrangler NFR Steer Wrestling World and Average Champ, Jacob Edler. Edler finished as the runner-up to the NFR World Champ, J.D. Struckness, at the 2016 College National Finals Rodeo. Seems like the Cinderella story. You know, back in, what was it, 16, you were the reserve champion at the CNFR. Yep. And then you had years, first NFR, and then you become world champion, average champion. Was there a catalyst that jumped you from 
kind of being a blip on the radar on the collegiate level to being the best bulldogger in the world? It, it's been a long, hard process. I, I do not come from a rodeo family at all. Grew up in central Iowa. My family, they, they farm, raise cattle and hogs. And one day I decided I was going to be a cowboy and had some neighbors that, that roped and bulldogged and they put me on the right track and got me hooked up with the right people in Iowa to have success at that level. And then going on to the co- collegiate level in 2015, I actually backed in the box and had a chance to be the college national finals rodeo champion there too. I, I did great the first three rounds. My last year, I had to throw him down in nine seconds flat. He stopped on the score line and it was devastating to me that, that I missed him and wasn't able to win the college national finals. And honestly, the next year winning second, I was a little disappointed too, because it was one of my goals to win the, win the college national finals rodeo. It was, it was all part of a learning process. God had bigger plans. I kept my head down, kept working and uh, I wouldn't trade the gold buckle for, for, uh, any of those college national finals championships. It seems like this year, your life, you talk about the hard work and the process and God's plan. I mean, talk about everything coming together and exploding. Not only do you have the dual championships of the average in the world, but also you got some other big news that you shared with, uh, I guess, everybody on round number 10. Oh yeah. Yep. Going to be a dad. Uh, Mariah, she's due in the middle of May. Announcing that to the world, that felt 10 times better than, than winning the world. I promise you that. Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. A little spring caver coming. You bet. <laughs> Do you guys know what you're having? Yep, we're having a little girl. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, I have I've one never... of those. Good luck, Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so does Steve. <laughs> I got two of them. Yeah. <laughs> you're from Iowa. Went to college in Oklahoma, correct? I actually started out going to school at uh, Iowa Central Community College. Went there for a year. It wasn't a fit. I transferred to Altus, Oklahoma, a little JUCO in southwest Oklahoma, and finished up my associate's degree there, transferred to Alva, Oklahoma, four-year university in northwest Oklahoma. Ever since college has gotten over, I've found opportunities to work around here in the off-season from rodeo and have been here ever since. Iowa, there seems to be a nice little lineage of cowboys that come out. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of cowboys that come out there, but the ones that do seem to set the, the, the rodeo uh, industry on fire. What is it that makes us, you guys so unique coming out of Iowa? I've got to see a lot of different places in the world, but uh, growing up in Iowa, you never expect a cowboy to come out of Iowa. You never would. But I will tell you, growing up in Iowa, I've got to see the hardest working, most good hearted people in the world come right out of there, have have some of the biggest worth ethics in the world. You know, it, it carries over to the rodeo arena. I've never seen seen people that, that are as tough. I, I know that sounds a little arrogant, but uh, there, there's a lot of tough good-hearted folks that, that come out of the state of Iowa. Did you partake in any other sports outside of once you did get in rodeo, or was there anything that led to that? Honestly, the only other extracurricular activity I did was wrestling. High school. There you and go. Wrestling, you, you've got to have more heart than, than anything else if, if you plan on being being a wrestler, especially in the state of Iowa. The the competition is, is so tough, and, and – You've got to work at it every single day and put all your heart and soul into it. And wrestling has really helped me be mentally prepared for my rodeo career. Wrestling in Iowa has got to be like a little kids with Christmas. Like Dan Gable's always watching. Like, don't cheat <laughs> oh, yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How has your discipline been from wrestling to rodeo and where you're at today? Is there is there some sort of kind of you know, process that you go through to make yourself better throughout the season? Or do you just kind of, man, I just show up and do my thing? Well, honestly, you know, you, during the off season, when you're at home, you got to be dedicated. You need to, you need to go and go practice every opportunity that you get and make sure you're in pretty good shape. But when it comes down to you leaving for the summer, you, you got, you got to know that you've done everything to, be as prepared as you can be. And uh, when you show up to the rodeo, you, 
you just got to be in a mental state that you're there to do your job and pay your bills and do everything to the best ability you can do it. Talk about doing your job right now. You are a professional cowboy. If you could not be a professional cowboy, what would you do? I would for sure uh, ranch down here in Oklahoma. I've uh, the the area I'm living in. I've I've got to make so many great connections. And, uh, got to get hooked up with a lot of great people that have given me opportunities to run my own cattle. And what I normally do is uh, during the off season, I lease wheat pasture and uh, I turn calves out that weigh about 500 pounds and then take them off in the spring right before we leave to go rodeo and try to get them to about 800 pounds and then sell them to a feedlot to finish them out after that. So. I would I would definitely take a big interest in the in the cattle business if I wasn't rodeoing and when I get done rodeoing I, I plan on that being my primary focus. Speaking of the cattle industry in Iowa, man, back to back world champions on the auctioneer side, Jeremy Mill or Jared Miller rather and Russell Sleep, they've kind of dominated too. So I was vicious on a lot of different levels, man. I'm telling you, it's just that that tough Iowa mentality. We got it going on up there. You had to be walking around Alva with your chest puffed up because that's kind of notorious for the thumper steer wrestling reputation, is it not? You know, Alva, we're we're starting to grow uh, as far as getting a reputation in, in Oklahoma for being being one of the places where guys consistently bulldog and you know having Stockton Graves around here, guy that's been to the NFR seven times. He he was the one that got me ready for this NFR. Uh, every day at practice, he, he didn't do anything but tell me encouraging words and give me good advice going into the finals. And, uh, you know, uh, even though that I've got a gold buckle, my, my chest ain't buffed out. I know that uh, 2021 is a new year and, and it's time to start going back to work and try to repeat the, repeat the process again. I've seen success uh, go to a lot of young guys' heads and it ends up hurting them more than it helps them uh, continuing with their rodeo careers. So I'm just going to continue to work hard and stay humble and go do the best I can this year and see where the chips fall. That's That was my plan last year, and everything worked out pretty good. Yeah, it did. And you got a That's daughter awesome, coming. Man. Yeah. You bet. You look at guys like yourself, big guy, rugged guy, tough guy, jumping off of a horse going 30 miles an hour, wrestling steers down. What would be maybe something people know or don't know, but what's your biggest fear? Definitely rattlesnake. We does it have to be a rattle? Yeah, three for three, but does it have to be a rattlesnake or are they all rattlesnakes? Uh, it has to be a rattlesnake. Like you see a few of them here in Northwestern Oklahoma, but uh, I, I actually had the opportunity to live with the two time world champion Hunter Cure in uh, Dundee, Texas. And I remember like my third day there, he calls me. And he's like, hey, there is a rattlesnake on my mom's front porch, and uh, I need you to go kill it. And I was like, uh, with what? He's a gun? <laughs> he's like, no, just take a shovel and chop his head off. And I was absolutely terrified. I had no idea how I was supposed to kill this rattlesnake. I walked up with the shovel, and his mom's standing there like, I just take the flat end of the shovel and just start beating the hell out of this snake. And he's curled up in a ball and hissing at me. And she's just, what are you doing? Use, use the sharp end of the shovel and cut his dang head off. But <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of being nervous about it. She's like, you want me to do it? And I was like, no, no, I'll do it. And I finally mustered up enough courage where I killed the rattlesnake. I, I hope that's like the last rattlesnake killing experience I have to go through. It was absolutely terrifying. Did you scream at all during that? Because I'd like to think that I'm tough, but there's definitely screams coming out of my mouth. I wanted to. I wanted to, but I didn't. Well, (laughs) I will tell you, this is something that you're diving into these kind of these fears of cowboys, and it's amazing how many times snakes come up in the conversation. Yeah. Well, Jacob, thank you for taking the time to come on. This has been great, man. Uh, Sharing some of your loves, your hopes. Uh, craziness in the middle your dreams and your fears we appreciate you coming on man seriously you bet anytime
Have a good one, Jake. Appreciate your time, man. You bet. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens. I'm the owner of the D Las Vegas, the Golden Gate Hotel and Casino, and the new Circa Resort and Casino. We're excited to bring Circa to you because it's our new version of what Las Vegas is all about. Although we won't be able to celebrate together in 2020, we'll be ready for you in 2021, where the NFR should be, here in Las Vegas. We'll be ready, and when you come here, our tagline is, you're gonna have the time of your life. Remember, there's only one NFR, there's only one Vegas. Hi, I'm Boyd Paul Hamus, and you're listening to NFR Extra. At the 2020 Wrangler NFR, there were plenty of past world champions waiting in the wings to knock down young tie-down roping superstar Shad Money Mayfield, and proud Cajun Shane Hanchy was one of them. The Wrangler NFR champ and 11-time qualifier is an avid sports fan. When he's not roping, he's paying attention to everything happening in the sports universe. He rarely misses an episode of SportsCenter, always reads, and has made friends with professionals in football, basketball, boxing, baseball, and more. Most importantly, though, Shane is a rodeo fan. He shares his Texas NFR experience, the Cowboy Channel's impact on the popularity of rodeo, and trains. Shane Hanchy, welcome back to NFR Extra. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, always look forward to coming on this podcast and, uh, pretty excited y'all y'all had me back so soon the last time we talked to you right we're, i'm gonna go back it was uh if i remember correctly we were talking about your side hustle you know selling crawdads and whatnot fast forward to december of 2020 when in the average what a crazy 2020 for yourself amongst everybody else what was it like being a part of rodeo history for yeah you know so um, like like you said, the last time we had talked, we were right in the middle of the beginning of the of the pandemic and everything kind of setting in and um, knowing that there weren't going to be any rodeos in the near future. And um, luckily having, you know, my side hustle um, as Bo's Bowling Go and selling the crawfish, we were already pretty well established and uh, we were getting things kind of going for, for the second season. So we kind of um, we stayed so busy. We ended up going to Stephenville a couple times during the year, uh, during the crawfish year. And, and we really did get up there. Stephenville's a, a rich rodeo community, you know, as far as a lot of people in the rodeo world live around that area. And, um, so we did really good with, with Bo's ball and go. And, um, when there were some, you know, rumblings and rumors about that, that we're going to be able to go to some rodeos this summer. Um, I shifted my plans and my focus to, whatever it took to make the national finals. Um, I was in this position um, kind of where I have been before, but not where I wanted to be. I didn't have a great winter. And I knew that if I wanted to make the national finals, if there was going to be a national finals, that uh, I needed to win quite a bit during the summer. And so we just kind of set out for that goal to be in the top 15 and whatever happened, happened. Um, you know, I, I'd be lying if I told you there was – um, that we knew that there was going to be an NFR, you know, when we set out that summer, nobody really knew what to expect. So we just kind of entered up and, and rodeoed. And that's kind of what we know to do is to just rodeo and go, go places. You know, I think we were, you know, in sometime in August when we had really heard that the NFR was going to happen at some capacity. And uh, thanks to George Taylor and everybody at Globe Life Field. And, and they put on a, they put on a magnificent show, man. It's uh, I'm a creature of habit. Trust me. I've been to the, in national finals the last 10 years in Vegas and I'm a Vegas guy everybody asked me I mean it, you just don't understand um for me it kind of hit me that where I'd been staying at the last six years in Vegas uh, you know I knew the valet people I knew my sports book guy I knew knew a lot had a lot of relationships inside the building um, not only just at the Thomas and Mag but but everywhere I've been the last 10 years and you, you don't get to see them people you don't get to interact with them people and then so it was kind of a kind of a, a weird transition into Texas, you know. But man, Globe Life Field—it's uh, uh, me being a huge sports fan. I was I was so pumped to get to rope there and then to do good there. And um, look, if you'd have told me, hey, you're going to win the national finals average, you're going to win 144 thousand, um, but you're going to be a little shy of a gold buckle out of probably taking it and not even went up there. You know, he had such a commanding lead. I don't think any of us really thought it was possible. We thought it was a little bit of a probability, but 
Um, just the way it shook out, I mean, one one tenth of a second in the tenth round, I could have another gold buckle. But uh, overall, I, I'm pumped with how it went. Yeah, Money Mayfield. So and real quick though, back up. I think this is the thing because you've been around. How was it going to some of these these other rodeos? You probably would have never went to or. Was there any that stuck out or what was that experience like where you had to go to places just because you got to get money, right? Yeah, I mean, that was this was the first year that we were literally chasing points as far as whatever rodeo was going to happen. If it was in a thousand mile radius, we were going to get there. Um, You know, there were some rodeos that I'd never been to. I never even dreamed I was going to go to um, like Carson, Iowa or, you know, a few in Montana. I mean, I just never thought Big Timber Montana is a one-day rodeo that adds $500. I never thought I'd be there, but I was sure enough there for Slack uh, Wednesday morning. And so, you know, it was a, it was a big transition for me, but it, it really, for me, it, it really proved to me that not just the big rodeos care about us, you know, um, the small guys, the small committees, them committees are just as proud of their rodeo as, as a rodeo like San Antonio, you know, and that's really cool to go, go to places like that and see how much work they put in. Yeah. They might not add as much money, but Hey, they, they're in a city that's got 400 people, you know, they can't add that much money. And so to see that they, they bust their butt and try to have the best rodeo possible really just goes to show you what, what the rodeo world is, is made of. What's your favorite rodeo? Whether you went to it this year or not, but what's what's the one that's just that's other than the NFR? Man, the Pendleton Roundup for me. I, I just tell everybody for me coming from Louisiana, I tell everybody it's like Mardi Gras for them. You know, they they shut the city down for four or five days. I mean, you got street parties and and the rodeo. You know, the atmosphere is is you know unbelievable. And, and, and you know, you've got the the factors that, that you're roping on grass, you're roping on a football field. And so for me, that's, that's an easy number one. And, and I, I probably wouldn't tell you that it was my favorite if I didn't have good luck at it. You know, I've won it once. I've won second twice and I've won third once. I, I've had good luck there at Pendleton. So that, that definitely helps my vote. Um, but, you know, one thing that, that I, and, you know, I miss the Northwest, all the Northwest rodeos, Pendleton, Ellensburg, Pialup, Kennewick, Walla Walla, they're, they're all great rodeos. And then I'm a big Canadian rodeo guy, you know, I've won four titles up there. So, so I miss the Canadian rodeos, miss the Canadian people quite a bit um, this season. That's a tough deal all the way around, but you talked about the, the vibe and the energy there at Pendleton. Transfer that over to Globe Life Stadium. What was that like? Yeah, you know, at first, um, it was so different. I mean, just because, just take, for instance, how they line us up in the calf roping. You know, when they line us up at the time of Samac, we're in that tunnel, and they line you up eight or ten ropers before you rope, and you don't really know what's going on. You can kind of hear you can't really see anything. You've got a horse handler kind of right around there. And I know for me, I would kind of look up at my horse handler or whoever's right there and ask what's winning the round when there was about two or three guys before me the rope, just because I couldn't see, I couldn't feel no energy like that. But when you ride, when you rode through the back of the box of the Thomas Mack with, you know, the 17 or 18,000 people literally on top of you and the lights are as bright as ever, then you can feel that energy. I tell people the first few nights at Globe Life, for me, and this is just a personal opinion, it just felt like a normal rodeo with the tractor dragging, with the commercial breaks, and the kind of being around the whole uh, environment. You know, I, I'd never watched the bareback riding at the NFR. I got to watch the whole bareback riding at, at this year's, you know, just for instance. And then going around there to the Bulldoggers and helping my Hazen buddies and the Bulldogging and then being right there in the team roping. I, I normally watch the Bulldogging team roping anyway, but I told people that it was just a different feel. And, I, and, you know, like the second or third night, I was like, man, it just don't have that electricity like the Thomas and Mac. And, and I really kind of figured it would. Um, but as the week went on, I'll be the first to tell you that, man, it, it got better and better as, as the rounds progressed. And, and, of course, the races started to get tighter. So it was pretty cool. You know, it ended up being a, a great deal. And you got to tip your hat to Texas and, and everybody that was involved because, man, it was straight first class. I want to touch a little bit on horsepower. Explain how that works throughout your year. You've talked about mounting out a lot, but this year at the NFR, you actually brought back a horse that you used to ride, if I'm correct. Yeah. So, you know, kind of going back to my winter not being very great, um, you know, the horse that I was, that I rode in the 2019 National Finals, he suffered a career in, ending injury shortly after the National Finals and had to lay him down. Um, so I really wasn't. You know, if I'm being completely honest, I really wasn't in the right frame of mind to rope and rodeo 
um, especially in the winter. I mean, and, and who would have thought that, you know, them winter rodeos like San Antonio and the American and a little bit of Houston and Denver and Fort Worth was going to be so critical um, knowing that they were going to cancel most of the big summer rodeos. So I just really wasn't in a place mentally to want to rope. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I mean, when you lose a horse like that, you, you kind of could see it with Tyler Milligan at the NFR losing big time a couple months before that. And you just, I, I, I mean, for, you know, I've been in his shoes and I, I can't blame a guy. I mean, you just don't, you don't have it, you know, at that point. So, you know, during the year, I thought if I have a couple big hits in the summer, I could get back to the finals. And I actually ride a full sister to the horse that I had to put down. And um, she's so much like him. It's kind of crazy. But he just she just don't like the building atmosphere. She don't really like the crowds. And, and I kind of knew that. But the whole time during the summer, I'm like, I'm going to ride her just because I want to ride her, you know, almost being hard headed and um, wanting to let her kind of shine <laughs> through, you know, for what Bam did for me. But to be honest with you, once I made the finals, and the only reason I made the finals was because of her during the summer. Um, but once I made the finals, a couple of weeks before the finals, we went to a rodeo at Fort Worth, and um, she she didn't she did what she normally does in a building. She just didn't really do much, and uh, I just was like, man, I finally come to terms with it that it probably wasn't going to work at the national finals. And so, with that being said, I knew that with everything different at Globe Life, as far as our barrier was a foot longer. Our setup was unlike any other setup that we had roped in really ever. And, you know, the calf situation, we knew kind of what to expect, but not really. So with all them unknowns going out throughout the whole, you know, process of trying to figure out what horse I wanted to ride, I knew that I needed a horse that I could depend on and that that I knew he was going to do the same thing every time. And so it was really only one horse, the only other horse that I'd rode. Um, at the national finals besides Riata or Bam was, was TJ and he's a horse from Canada. Logan Bird owns him. Logan's won the Canadian title on him and I've won uh, three of my four titles have been on him. Numerous guys have mounted out on him in Canada and, and done good and luckily they winter in Arizona so he was semi close to me. Um, so I yeah I made the phone call and told him I'd like to dang sure give it a go and see what it'd be like the first couple nights and um, we got him sent over here a couple of weeks before the finals and we knocked some rust off and man, it was, you, you hear people say that God works in mysterious ways or fate was, was part of that. And I really, once I decided to ride him, I really didn't worry about anything after that besides doing my job. It was like, I knew he was going to do what, what he does. And, um, we dang sure, we dang sure let him know we were there. That's for sure. He's a bigger horse, right? Yeah. He's a bigger horse than what I'm used to for sure. He's just, he, I mean, I wouldn't say he's huge, but he's just a little higher headed and a little bigger. But what's crazy is, you know, I've been riding that horse since 2015 up there in Canada. My winning percentage on him, I, we just, he just, he's just a winner. And I knew that if I could run some good calves, uh, that we could continue our winning ways. And um, yeah, I mean, it seemed like the more the, the more the week went on, the more, you know, runs we got under our belt, the better we felt. And I feel like we could have ran 20 of them in that building and, probably done what we had been doing the first 10 nights time to take a break with wrangler nfr tie down champ shane hanchy every december the eyes of the rodeo world are on the wrangler national finals rodeo the world's richest and most prestigious rodeo and now you can follow the nfr all year long at nfrexperience.com you'll find information on cowboy christmas and the junior world finals unique blogs and content access to nfr extra and much more with the stay in the loop club you'll also have a chance to win a trip for two to las vegas 2021 for the world's greatest rodeo don't get left in the dust Stay in the loop, stay in the know, and win at NFRExperience.com. Hi, I'm world champion Jet Johnson, and this is NFR Extra. We're talking to Shane Hatchie. Shane received the PRCA's Excellence in Print Journalism Award in 2019 with his digital magazine, The Cowboy Channel. Hey, I want to go back to your... Uh, money mayfield this guy's a young talented dude seems like he's gonna push all you veterans up a little bit more make you kind of work even harder not saying that you're not at what point during this rounds because i think it's equally to what you were saying about the energy going holy crap man we catch this dude because you know prior to that that going into day one it was like not gonna happen that's what it looked like where did all this stuff start to click for you what round was that 
Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. I, I remember he probably, and I've said this on a few different interviews, that I think the best run of the national finals was Shad Mayfield's first round run. Um, I don't remember if it was 7-5 or 7-6, and he won second. And all of us were like, great, he's picking up where he left off. Going to be hard or impossible to catch, whatever. But I remember the second round, he had the cap that I ended up winning second in the round on, and Cap Weston Hughes won a round on. So one of the best ones in that pen. And I remember he missed both loops. And, um, you know, Marty had just won the first and second round. I remember looking to Marty after he did it and said, hey, somebody's going to be able to catch him. You know, because when you when you miss two loops, automatically you're out of the average. I mean, yeah, you, you might win sixth or seventh in the average on nine head, but that's not very uh, very likely. And so I just remember turning to Marty and, and kind of saying, hey, and I was from the back of the pack. I was coming in 10th, so I hadn't really won much in the first two rounds. You know, anyways, I just said that. And then I, I would say after the fifth round, um, when I won second in the round, I knew then I'd take, taken over the lead in the average, I think, or maybe the next night I took it over. But I remember knowing that, hey, if, if I could start winning some decent checks in the rounds and have a chance to win two good checks uh, the 10th round, you know, I had a chance. And so when I took the lead in the average, I kind of went into, uh, I wouldn't say safety mode, but I dang sure made sure I put two wraps on them and made sure I scored good and, and, and roped the neck and um, kind of whatever happened, happened. And Honestly, I knew that going into the 10th round, if I won fourth or better in the round and them guys didn't win anything, that, that I had a chance to win the gold buckle. And so I really thought when I threw my hands up, I mean, I've run a lot of calves in my life. And when I threw my hands up, I thought I was seven. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to tell you, I thought I was seven, 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 eight, or seven, nine, but I thought I was seven. Needing to be seven, nine to win the world is what it ended up being like and was, was eight flat. So. I don't know if that just means I'm getting older or um, I'm a little slower than I thought. Man, tenth of a second. Damn. Mm -mm. That's crazy. You know, and I think one of the most leveling playing fields is that you don't have those big, huge leads, you know, with the exception of these guys, like with Shad Mayfield, I think Wyatt Casper in the saddle bronc riding as well, which could be caught up to in, in that side of it. But throughout the year, like you said, all those, those big wins of the, of the summer rodeos that you were hoping to go to that didn't happen or partially happen. So you typically go what you're shooting for about a hundred rodeos a year, somewhere in there. Quite yeah, generally. Yeah. Our, our count yeah. is a hundred. A hundred on that. And so with that being said too, I mean, hauling a truck and a trailer and whether you've got traveling partners and horses, your sponsors have got to play a tremendous role in that. And you've got some pretty good sponsors that continue to help you go down the road. Uh, what was their outlook, you know, talking with your sponsors this year, as far as going into it, like, I don't know what's going to happen guys. My sponsors were also um, openly welcome to the fact that they, they knew it was going to be a trying time. And, they, you know, there's a few of them that could have just pulled the reins back totally and said, hey, we, you know, obviously with, with the way the economy is, we can't, you know, we can't support um, you rodeoing or something like that. And, man, really every one of them stepped up to the plate and they said, we're not wavering one bit. Um, whatever you got to do, you've got to do for your family and for your life. So we, we understand one way or the other. And I think that at the same time that they understand that, um, I'm probably my hardest critic. I know I got some people that are pulling for me, but I promise you, I, I want to be better than I was yesterday more than anybody in the world. And so I think they know um, what kind of mindset I got and what kind of mental game I got. And they knew that I wasn't going to gonna back down. And when these rodeos said they were starting to go, that we were going to gonna be entered up and, and, and headed out, you know. But yeah, my sponsors, I mean, this sounds so cliche to to thank them but they've been they were the reason that we got to go up and down the road you know a lot of them are big corporate sponsors that support rodeo day in and day out and so just thankful that them guys were able to step up and us have a season you know this is kind of an angled question when we talk about rodeo you were pre-digital media and then now you're right in the middle of everything right and there's massive exposure for the rodeo side it's it, you just can't stop it is there ever a chance of the popularity of rodeo equaling or coming up to par with even like NASCAR, let alone NFL, NBA, anything like that. As you being a diehard sportsman and being a pro rodeo athlete, is it possible, Shane? So I'll be brutally honest. It's not possible. <laughs> um, I'm not sure NASCAR because I haven't really been in that. I feel like NASCAR is very big. Um, NFL, no. MLB, no way. Golf, no. It's a 
them 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 sports are so worldwide and and largely known, especially golf and baseball. I do think that the Cowboy Channel and social media, and mainly the Cowboy Channel and the PRCA, has elevated our recognition to a level I never thought we would be at. When we're on, when we can go on a Direct TV and go to a Cowboy Channel, and we can watch literally a Sports Center themed. Um, nightly recap of whatever's going on in the Western sports world. That to me is the major red flag that we've gotten to where I never thought we would be at, you know, and me being a, such a sports fan and 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 an avid podcast listener and kind of uh, a a sports guru. I understand why we would never be to their level, um, unfortunately. And I don't agree with the reasons why I just understand the reasons why, but, but, with that being said, we doubled our viewers um, from last year's NFR to this year's NFR just on the Cowboy Channel. And that right there just goes to show you that we're headed in the right direction with the media, with the TV. And I think that the possibilities are endless. But to answer your question, sorry, but no. Yeah, cornhole has really been getting popular, too. So, I mean, if we can stay on the cornhole <laughs> side of it, then we're all right. Yeah. I'm a guy who grew up on the West Coast and avid skateboarder, snowboarder. And I've watched that area, low income kids that had skateboards that were causing havoc in the community to where now they're paying these guys millions of dollars. Regardless, you look at a guy like Tony Hawk, you know, I'm just kind of throwing this out there and it's, it's not wishful thinking because I'm a big rodeo fan. I'm not a rodeo. I'm never going to confess to be a cowboy. Right. Damn, I love rodeo, man. And you're right. When you think about Cowboy Channel, me being the fan that I am, I love that you could turn on the Cowboy Channel for those 10 days and you got that Super Bowl feel of rodeo every day right and i only think it's going to get better going forward it's more of i think what's starting to happen with sports is everybody's clamoring for eyeballs and you brought up podcasting you brought up social media what we're finding out is that that everything's being disseminated your your eyeballs can only give so much attention so much i think that's where rodeo gets to come in and to meet guys like shane hanchy I'm not stroking egos here, man, but I'm being honest. When you meet like a Casey Fielder, like, damn, that guy's a pretty good dude. You start to meet some real good people that risk their lives for something that they just love to do. Uh, we had uh, Justice on, Nate Justice. And this guy is a brainiac, man. He's a pilot at full ride for college. And he's like, nope, I'm going to be a bullfighter. I was like, what are you, what? Like, so I just think that there's more of an amplification, hopefully, as we go along to your point. Yeah, and the Cowboy Channel has been a beautiful piece. I love getting out there, and you're being a sport fan. It's a good correlation to kind of for people to understand when they say, "Well, why won't it ever be like the NFL?" It's like, you know, and then you know, there's another there's another part of me that that wonders how can we attract new viewers and guys like, but your world, you know, from the skateboarding world, from the West Coast world, because you're not just gonna flip through your your channel guide on Directv and find the Cowboy Channel say. Shh, hell yeah, let me watch this. I I just don't think it's going to do that. But what I, you know, and so unfortunately, I don't know how we're going to be able to attract new viewers or new fans from that aspect, which in turn would generate, you know, more revenue as as different type, type of sponsors would come in. But at the same time, I think what we needed to worry about first and foremost is, is tapping into the Western world, to the Western industry as a whole. And I think Cowboy Channel has done that because I think every channel, every channel, at night or every TV at night in the Midwest, think about Nebraska, Kansas, South Dakota. I'm going to say, you know, the larger rural, rural populations, they're watching the Cowboy Channel. If not all day, I know every night. I know, you know, my fiance's grandparents, I mean, they don't miss, I don't even know if they watch the news. I think they just, the, the Cowboy Channel stays on their TV 24-7. And how many people are like that, you know? So I definitely think it's it's a, a great direction. But the, like you said, the sports side of me, the the business side of me. And, you know, like you said, like the Casey Fields, the Tim O'Connell's, you know, that's in part why I created the Cowboy Journal. I just felt like there's so many stories that goes untold about guys like Casey Field, Nate Justice, Weston Rutowski, Caleb Schmidt. Like not only does the rodeo world need to know about it, but the rest of the world needs to know about it, you know? And so that was honestly my main goal for the Cowboy Journal was to get these stories out there so people could read them. And, and so, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from on, on the, on the personality side of the, of the athletes. You bringing back Cowboy Journal? I mean, is it, is it alive and well, or are you, what, what's going on with that? Man, it's not alive and well, uh, but 
we definitely still have the namesake and we have the rights and social media. Um, it's just today's world. It's hard to get people to read anything nowadays. You know, you can watch everything on your phone and um, we need to tap to that digital marketing and, and maybe a podcast or two, but I, I'm, I'm not in no hurry to do anything with that yet. I probably, it's probably going to take a lot more of my time and effort um, probably when I'm done rodeoing to, to focus on something like that. But I definitely kept the name and, and kept the social media name and all that. And we'll, we'll piddle with it at some point. I have a funny feeling when you retire, man, you're going to play a pretty big role in the bridging the gap with the media side and what you do. Just kind of, I'm not, I'm not Negro Domus here, but I'm just thinking that that may play out down the road there. That's the thing like with the, with the Cowboy Journal and with the podcast and with the Cowboy Channel to emphasize what you're saying is the characterization of the individuals that are playing such a crucial sport, you know, life or death and to get to know these guys and to know their backgrounds versus, you know, you watch any of these other sports programs. So they'll do a breakdown of the individuals and of the matchups or whatever it is. And you don't have that, but we need more outlets and there's some good podcasts going, um, you know, that they get some of the guys on and get to share their stories. So I think the more that you get out there, the more you broadcast that, the more people hear it, then it, hopefully develops into the growth and, you know, maybe not as big as these other sports, but we're not that big of a, I mean, shoot, there's not as many people in production agriculture as there are that watch professional sports combined. So is what it is, but I think that there's a lot of good opportunity. Yeah, I totally agree. 100%. So something we've started is asking, what is one of your biggest fears? Yes. So for me, one of my biggest fears is train tracks uh, for some reason. Like I just, I guess when, uh, so before I was born, my dad and my oldest brother and oldest sister got hit by a train. I don't guess very fast or very hard, um, but it did total their van. And so anyway, so just kind of growing up and uh, living where I lived in Louisiana, um, we have a lot of refineries around there. And so we have a lot of trains and train tracks go through there. And uh, there's three train tracks just getting off of the interstate, getting to my house in Louisiana. So, um, I don't know. For some reason, when you asked that last night, I just thought, you know, these train tracks, I'm just scared of trains and scared of crossing train tracks for some reason. The last three answered it as snakes. So at least you're not. <laughs> yeah, no, I honestly, like I said, growing up in Louisiana, snakes don't bother me. Water mocks can scare me. Um, I'm in a place in Texas where there's really not rattlesnakes. Um, I don't even mind. I'm, I like a chicken snake or a bull snake. They're going to take care of the rats and varmints in my barn. So I'm not, a. am it's funny because everybody seems like they're deathly scared of snakes. So anytime I see one out and I know it's not poisonous, I'll, I will make sure and plant it somewhere or hide it somewhere to where it's whoever's scared of it. It's, it's dang good watching. Well, no pun, but you threw the, uh, the answer off the rails there. Uh, we thought we'd go four for four with snakes, but. Oh yeah. Know. Sorry about that. <laughs> Not for Louisiana boy. No way. I didn't think so. Nope. No. Man, Shane, this was uh good catching up. Fantastic year you had on top of whatever the bizarro, what it was for 2020. So it was a nice little Christmas present for you, man. And, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, anytime. Y'all don't uh, hesitate. If y'all ever need a guest, I uh, I like getting on and talking to you guys. So anytime y'all need me, um, y'all have my number. Sounds good. Thank you. See y'all. Thanks a lot, Shane. Yep. See you ya. got it, buddy. See ya. We want to thank Jacob Edler and Shane Hanchy for joining us on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. And the